0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of Mandatory Marvel and DC, the show that likes to take a look back at the biggest and best storylines from the big two of comics. I'm your host, Max Byrne, and I hope you'll continue to join me each and every episode as we cover these classic moments that have stood the test of time and crossed over into popular culture. Now, for episode eight, I'm delighted and honoured to welcome to the show for the very first time and first of many the host of the brilliant genuine chit chat podcast and the equally brilliant star wars comic and canon podcast it's the fantastic mike burton mike how are you thanks so much for
1: coming on thank you so much for having me max it's great and yeah i'm doing really really well i've been having a lot more fun sort of with your show and a lot of the other guys shows on the feed of comics emotion i've been really loving like getting more into comics and stuff a lot more not only with my own show but everyone else's so i'm really excited to talk about this and i'm excited to listen to more of your shows get more comics to listen to and come on again in the future and talk more so very excited Excellent, me too. I'm very excited. So, before we sort of announce what your choice is, every episode
0: that we do of this show, it's the guest choice as to what book or sort of story you want to cover. So, we'll get to that in a sec. But, first of all, just for people who perhaps may not have been exposed to, obviously, I, as I said at the top of the show, there, you're the host of two brilliant podcasts, two very different podcasts, and um, by the very nature of them. So, I just wondered if you wanted to, you know, just spend a a little while just telling people about obviously the genuine chit chat which you do and Mm -hmm. the star wars comics and canon which is part of the as you said earlier the comics in motion feed which this show goes out on so obviously people the show can pick up yours so the floor is yours sir explain to us where
1: these two sort of concepts came from okay no worries well i'll start with uh star wars comics and canon uh just cause, for ease so obviously anyone who's been tuning into your show um will probably recognize on the feed of comics in motion there's your show there's indie comic spotlight there's the main comics in um Motion Podcast, and then there's also Star Wars Comics in Canon, and there's a few more shows that are either coming out soon or already out at the moment of this recording. And my show was because Chris and Dave of Comics and Motion, I had them on my other show, Genuine Chit Chat, uh, a fair amount, and then we just got chatting and things, and then Dave approached me and said, after I did this sort of Star Wars collaboration with those two and um, a gentleman called Scott from the 20th Century Geek Podcast, who's amazing too, um, we did the Star Wars collaboration thing. We went on each other's shows and, and talked about it a lot. And um, the first on the first episode, I remember there was a couple of like little questions they were kind of asking almost rhetorically, like, oh, why does this happen? And then I actually had the answer to it uh, because I'm a massive, massive Star Wars nerd. <laughs> and then as the shows went on, uh, more and more questions stopped becoming these open-ended questions and more were like, Mike, so you know when this happens, what, what happens with this? And I'd be like, okay, well, it's this, 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 and this. And they'd be like, are you even looking any of this up? And I think there was like one or two things I had to look up for like, vague specific uh, being like really specific about i think like darth moore's got like four minutes of screen time in phantom menace and i thought it was like one (laughs) (laughs) you know things like that i think it was um so basically when they decided to kind of launch the the comics in motion wider feed to have a lot more shows on there they said to me, look, you know more about Star Wars than probably anyone we know, which I'm not sure if that is true. But they said, would you want to do a Star Wars uh, podcast of yeah. sorts? And I was like, well, keeping in the theme of comics and things, that's perfect because there's a lot of Star Wars comics and things that I love and it, they add a lot to, I find, the the canon of Star Wars. And so that's really what i do because a lot of people may not know but disney when they took over in 2014 basically wiped almost everything from all the old comics and all the old content apart from the movies uh and the clone war series and then started anew essentially so i'm basically at the new point so that's that one show uh and then Genuine Chit Chat is the main one. Uh, Comics and Canons only a few months old, but Genuine Chit Chat I've been doing for, it will be about three years this September. So I think I started in wow. 2017. Um, so a little while. and uh, Basically, each episode is me with a guest on the show uh, talking about Really, whatever they're passionate about in a lot of ways. Um, for any of your listeners who aren't aware, um, on episode 90 of Genuine Chit Chat, I had your glorious self, Max, and uh, Dave of Comics in Motion on, yeah. and we spoke about the Snyder Cut and um, of Justice League and Batman vs. Superman and that sort of thing. Whereas I've had other shows with pretty much everyone on the Comics Emotion Motion feed, really. I've had, you know, we did one with uh, Chris and Scott about wrestling, I did one with Tony about online education, like those sort of things. But also I've done it on everything. I've had someone from the Church of Satan on my podcast, which is a fun <laughs> one to break a lot of the uh, misconceptions about it because they're actually just atheists. They don't really believe in Satan or a God or anything. Um, there's lots of different ones, blind filmmakers, writers, just anyone that I find to be interesting, whether it's friends talking about movies and stuff or it's someone who's got like a really inspirational story. I just... Almost just by the week, I just kind of figure out what I fancy, uh, who I fancy talking to. And then I, I release them. And a lot of the people I speak to are content creators as well. So it's a good way to, if you find Genuine Chat and you want loads of other podcasts and stuff, then every few episodes I have another podcast to roll on or talk about another podcast. So it's really just my excuse to talk to people I find interesting and... If I just contact these people at the blue and say, "Hey, do you want to chat with me for two hours?" They'd probably be like, "No, thank you." If I say, "Oh, but I've got a podcast," they're like, "Oh, yeah, sure. That sounds meaningful, not insane." So (laughs) that's one of the reasons why I kind of started genuine chit chat just to have interesting conversations uh, with people. I mean, the the tagline is honest conversations with interesting people, Uh, and styles, comics, and canon was. I'm a massive Star Wars nerd and Dave asked nicely. So that, that's really the two <laughs> stories of my shows. And uh, as I said, you were on uh, episode 90. So if anyone hasn't checked that out, that's a good kind of door into the world. And then if you'd like that, check out some of the other ones.
0: Yeah, uh, it is. It's a great show. Uh, and I love the the diversity of it. You know, it's, um, mm. it's great that one week bears sort of no resemblance thematically to the next and you could have anyone from any walk of life on there it's great there's really you know you whatever you're into chances are at some point you'll find something on there that clicks with you it's great stuff it really is so uh, thank you long long may that continue sir
1: (laughs) thank you so much
0: yeah fantastic now the real business in point why we're here uh, this evening as we record this is obviously to discuss your selection so do you want to let everyone know what it is you've selected for us
1: Yes, and I'm actually holding it here if people can hear very slight touches of, uh, <laughs> of the comic. It's, um, so it's Batman the Killing Joke um, and it's written by uh, Alan Moore and I think uh, Brian Bollard does the art for it to, if I'm correct in that regard. Yep. Uh, and this one is the deluxe edition so this has been recolorized to my knowledge. Um, yes. And there's also a little introduction by a guy called Tim Sale in it, if that's of any <laughs> interest to anyone but that's the version I've got. Um, and yeah, the, I'd say the reason I chose this one was because uh, the way I got the comic, funnily enough, was just a friend of mine was really into comics at one point and then she was having a clear out and she found, there's a collection called Twisted Dark, which I haven't read yet, yeah. of like short stories and things. I think, in, I think it's published on the DC. And then also this, Batman The Killing Joke. And she asked if I just wanted them, so I gave her a couple quid for them. And... I, I didn't read it for a, quite a while, if I'm honest, because it was around the time where I you know, I was doing podcasting and things, so I was getting quite busy and, and whatnot. And then of recent, I've had so many Star Wars comics to get through, I hadn't prioritised it. And then when you started doing your show and things, I was like, Killing Joker would be a really good one to do if Max hadn't already sort of done that. So obviously we communicated and things, and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to sit down and make sure I read it. So bluntly, it was actually because I really want to come on the show and talk with you about <laughs> comics and stuff and no one better than the DC Comics expert. And I've always wanted an excuse to read it. And the thing is with me is if I have to read something for a reason, I'll read it immediately. But if yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I can read it whenever I want, I probably won't get round to it. Yeah. And after reading it, I, was, I thought it was brilliant. So I'm very, very happy with my choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very happy too. I must say, I mean, this is... You've come in
0: hot, I'll give you that. You've really... Um, <laughs> gone really for the upper echelons this is a book that is well I, to be honest i'd be quite reluctant to even call it a book it's it's a one issue sort of one shot story it's only 48 pages long which is pretty remarkable mm. really when you think about it usually these sort of must read stories or sort of must read graphic novels are always multi-issue arcs or a self-contained sort of story um, but to have one that is so brief in in essence be regarded as always in the very top lists of you know batman uh, stories you must read or 100 comic books you must read before you die and all this like you Know if you were going to die, you've all of a sudden got to go out and read a lot of comics. Um, <laughs> you know, so would, would that be the what you want to do if you were uh on a ticking clock? But that's another story. Um, but yeah, this is one that's always at the top of the tree and any list or any ballot. So you've really sort of pulled no punches here and gone in for one of the, the top
1: ones. Um, like you said. Also- Sorry, I was, I was just going to say I was quite surprised because uh, when I was reading it and things, I was like, oh, yep. "This is amazing!" I loved it and things, and then it ends. And with the darks edition, there's another comic at the end, I think called The Innocent Man. So yes. I was reading it and then it finished. And I turned the next page. And I was like, "What? Wait, what?" <laughs> was, yeah. It ends there, and I was thinking, like, Alan Moore, obviously he's he's huge. He's one of the most famous uh, comic writers there are. Obviously doing Watchmen and I believe V for Vendetta. Yeah, and obviously. The, i've read uh, the watchman comic years ago uh, i did i read it after uh, watching the film which was a mistake because i love the film and the, the comics obviously very different but the comic is obviously very not only large as a as a graphic novel itself it's a lot of content within it there's a, it's very wordy and yeah. so when i read this and i was oh alan Moore, and i was surprised how short it was so just jumping off what you said there yeah it was for such a powerful story it's almost like less is more in a lot of ways but it mm. doesn't feel like they've taken anything out it's brilliant
0: oh yeah absolutely i mean i mean as when people start talking in this book it is incredibly wordy too but mm. then you do get several pages where there's literally nothing said i mean i think it takes about five pages before the first bit of dialogue is uh, mm. is given so considering you've only got 48 pages to to tell your story to not even start telling your story at least verbally anyway uh mm. until five pages in is pretty bold because that's like of your book gone already, (laughs) you know? So that's, that's pretty something. But I mean, like you said, Alan Moore is, he, again, he's one of those people who's always at the top of the tree when people want to come up with a list of, you know, greatest writer and most influential writer. And there's, there's no real question mark over that, at least, well, it's all opinions anyway, but in my opinion, at least, wherever that's worth, he is always going to be, rider at the top of the tree. I mean, that's for sure. His body Mm. of work speaks for itself. For someone who's not been exactly prolific in later life and sort of eschewed the spotlight, the stuff that he has come out with prior to that is really stuff that is still around. And so much of his work's been adapted and made into films or, or tv programs i mean the two you just mentioned there Watchmen and v for De- vendetta just the tip of the iceberg you had the league of extraordinary gentlemen which was turning was into the film sean connery also yeah. um from hell the johnny depp oh i've got the dvd i've
1: watched it yet though
0: ah it's uh, it's okay that's <laughs> po- why i haven't
1: watched it yet. The <laughs> yeah. it's one of those films i was like i feel like i should watch it because yeah. everyone says it's one of those films it's like a classic but it's not like this is going to blow your brains out. Amazing! It's
0: just—it's <laughs> it's, it's an okay film. I, I, a lot of people like to knock it because it's not—it's not it's 100 not faithful to Alan Moore's original vision, which a lot of people believe that kind of thing sacrosanct, and the, you've got to do it exactly the same. And a lot of people aren't happy with you know Johnny Depp's Cockney accent. Which you know, I'll, I'll I'll let you <laughs> look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you be the ju- I'll let you be the judge of that when you get around to it. But it's not a bad film. But you know, like i was saying, that's just an you know. So many of his things have been adapted. His Swamp Thing, Ron, as well, he drew heavily on that for the Swamp Thing TV show, Mm. um, which scandalously got axed after one season last year. Absolute joke of a decision, but there you go. Um, So, yeah, unquestionably, one of the leading lights in the industry. Uh, And as you also mentioned, the art by Brian Bolland, what a superb artist, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, and um, greatly as well, uh, an all-British uh, creative team on this book as well um covering such a beloved american character it's quite something to see two brits
1: give him one of his most beloved and revered stories mm. and, and i was really- gonna say mm. what's an interesting thing about it as well is you find this lot sort of british compared to american tv shows which is almost all english comedy shows the yeah. episodes are like 20 minutes long and there's normally like six to eight of them you know with like peep show black adder and a black show black yeah. adder and peep show are very different but even from those two all the way back to now ish they're all quite short series yeah. but with you know a few episodes the office as well those sort of mm-hmm. things whereas in america obviously they have basically 24 episodes of everything and you want to watch you know all seven seasons of arrow and you're going to be there for literally days whereas <laughs> yeah. the english equivalents aren't as much and this comic i think is the same as that is that there's there's basically no filler of any kind in this comic and i think that's quite a british thing to do in general media
0: i agree with you on that i wouldn't disagree at all um especially in regards to this book i mean there is it's such a a lean tightly wound story there's no wasted space is there Mm -hmm. there's no panel that doesn't give you something and contribute something to the story like we already said even the stuff where there's they're not telling you anything with words they're telling you so much with pictures it really is just such a nicely tightly woven perfectly packaged story with a we'll get to later a wonderfully ambiguous ending (laughs) yeah exactly yeah that's uh, an ending which sort of people take two ways but we'll get to that and i'll i'll uh, love to see what you think of the end and how you think the events have actually uh, transpired Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so one, th- one thing I want to sort of kick off with then in this book is it gives the Joker an origin story, uh, this book. Um, throughout the book, we get these flashbacks uh, to his life pre-Joker that sort of depicts the events that took him down that path. And some people like that, some people don't, because the, the whole nature of the Joker is that he's never had a definitive origin story i mean it, even i think even in this they sort of emphasize the fact i think he says something like uh, oh did the, the joker actually says something like did that happen did it not i think when you're looking at your past it's best to have multiple choice or something like that mm-hmm. so he's not a reliable narrator so i want to know do you like the fact that they've given the joker this backstory or would you prefer to be, him to be kind of as he's mostly been depicted where he just is and that's the whole point of him he's this chaotic figure this sort of opposite side of the coin to the batman and he represents chaos and doesn't necessarily need that um and in doing so do you think that giving him this specific backstory which we'll discuss uh, in in length do you think it makes him more sympathetic and the horrific things he does in it not just in this book but over his comic book career but specifically in this book he does some heinous shit (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) it is isn't it oh my days but do you think that giving him this tragic backstory with the family and everything like that do you think that makes him a little bit more dare i say it sympathetic
1: It's it's a very weird one. Um, I unfortunately read this after watching the film Joker itself. So I I kind of, reading this, I'd already kind of had a degree of origin story in my head to some manner, but I'm kind of in two minds about it because there's the one mind of me, which is I would love almost more origin stories, but almost maybe like, maybe a graphic novel the size of Watchmen, Hmm. including The Killing Joke in there, but having maybe another four or five origin stories yeah and the last like page or something having like a fractured image of like the last panel of every story with the joker's face in the middle and saying is it one of these or is it not spin the wheel in a sense and yeah. make up your own mind like i would quite like it to them to make more to make it even more like oh no the killing joke may or may not be his uh, story. Same as Joker, the film, same as all these things. And he's got that, as he says uh, that you pointed out in this comic, he says basically like, I'd rather choose between multiple histories. Yeah. So I think maybe, or even like a, what would be quite cool is if DC'd made like a series or something, just like a five episode series. And maybe like each of them is just a different Joker origin story. Yeah. And they're all, not canon but are canon at the same time because no one actually knows not even really the joker so i I do in that regard i love it but there is that thing that the, the reason i'm more i'm also leaning in the camp of maybe it was better to not have one was because everyone and their mums knows batman's backstory that yeah. everyone knows you know uh, Martha and Bruce Wayne were shot and then most people also know it was coming out of a theater and things and then obviously getting into the specific more nitty-gritty detail I think is more dependent on what universe you look into yeah. but it's uh, everyone knows that story and it gets repeated a thousand times or everywhere all the time and so I feel like the Joker being the antithesis of Batman being his exact opposite it's almost either he shouldn't have any backstory or he should have loads of them because the, the Batman's one is so clear yeah so in with him having a family and and the sympathy side of things i feel I, I i don't almost know how to feel about it because you know it says i think on the back of this comic it's all, all it takes is one bad day yeah uh, to sort of turn you and that is quite a lot uh, when you said earlier where like heath ledger's joker took some influence from this i think in that realm of kind of the Heath Ledger Joker was meant to have been a normal person and then obviously he talks about I think his his dad putting uh, like a razor blade to his his, uh, cheeks or then him chewing razor blades and all these kinds of other things to give him scars so there's no illusion that Joker what is someone who's kind of insane but there's also like there's the Suicide Squad thing of what he does with Harley Quinn, throwing a vat of you know chemicals. It's like, did that happen to him? Because I, yeah. I can't remember if that happens in one of the origin stories or something. It might be in the Arkham games I'm getting it mixed with. But I feel like it, it almost grounds him too much. And it's more fun for him to be this off-the-wall person. Mm. And I know the point of this comic, which we'll kind of get into, is him trying to prove, oh, this could happen to me. I was a normal person. Therefore, you can make anyone bad. And that's yeah. the Heath Ledger Joker in The Dark Knight's point. I, I do love that, but I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of the the answer to it. it it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy the story exists and I'm very happy to have read it. And also same with the film Joker. I think the Joker is it's a Kraken film. Yeah. So I love the fact they've got origin stories. But whether or not I feel like it fits the Joker I know, I'm not sure. But then again, there's, you know, God knows how many different variants of Jokers. Obviously, at the top of your, top of the head, there's like four, three or four in just movies. In fact, yeah. I think there's more than that now, isn't it? Like, Suicide Squad, Joker, Joker, Dark Knight Joker, then the Nicholas, uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. And there's also yeah. like Arkham, the Arkham Games Joker. And then there's also all the comic re- uh, iterations. Exactly. So, it's, I like it. I'm happy I read this, but I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it's kind of a hazy one. I'm, I'm interested what you think. Actually, being a uh, much more in that realm, um, I do. It's one of those. It really does divide opinion. I think. Um, I I like it,
0: and I think it's it seems pretty plausible. And they have they've not DC have never. how could I put it? They've never made it so. This is canon and. Not, you, you know, this is his backstory and that's that. Mm-hmm. But they have always sort of used it as a point of reference for the character ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you, if people are talking about his backstory, this is the one they always go back to because it was the, the, the first one at the time that really delved into that. You, there was one back in the, I think it was in the 1950s, where they sort of briefly gave you a flashback of him being the red hood and and the accident and what have you Mm. but it wasn't as fleshed out as what you're getting here um and i just i don't know i think for me i i really do like it and i think it's a i I think it's a nigh-on perfect book but i i always find that the the sympathetic side of the character it just always seems a little bit at odds at me with the sort of sociopathic Main, maniacal, genocidal character he's been ever since and mm. the sort of beyond horrific things he's done. I, I just struggle to reconcile the two. Um, but it, as a story, it, it is great, isn't it? The way it's depicted. Um, oh, yeah. The, and at the start, he just seemed like a decent fella. I mean, he, he is literally just trying to provide. He's, he's got a wife. She's, she's got a, a baby on the way. He's trying his best. I mean, they've not got a great life. They're living in like some shitty neighborhood in a a sort of run down apartment, but he's trying his best, isn't he? He's trying to make it as a stand-up comic and Mm. escape from that life and give them a, a, you know, a better life for his family. So at the beginning he's noble and obviously sort of stumbles into this life of crime purely because he needs the, needs the cash because he's not going anywhere. And you know, again, he wants this, this better life and Mm. obviously things all sort of transpire on top of that don't they with the sort of demise of his of his wife and then having to still go through with this job being strong damned into it and then what happens to him at the end of said job with the the uh, transformation i think it just literally just sends him beyond crackers we'll <laughs> yes yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to put it mildly um so yeah I, I i just to me the joker is a character that I don't think you can ever make sympathetic. I think he, mm. he he is a vile agent of chaos, if for want of yeah. a better word. He's, um, he's,
1: he's like beyond redeemable. So yeah. it's like, even if you look... Yeah. of what he did and trying to humanise him it, is kind of like yeah. well, that doesn't really not that it doesn't fit necessarily but it's almost like the, the reason you'd give it, like, almost like a comparison is quite an unpopular uh, film is Spider-Man 3 which I actually like but if really we use Sandman mind. in that yeah it's, I a lot of these films are people absolutely despise all their being I'd never hate really as much as they hate but with um, Spider-Man 3 you've got Sandman and Sandman you know, at the start he seems quite bad and stuff and then it turns out he's trying to get medicine for his daughter that I think yeah. has cancer and then it's like okay and then you see the sympathetic side of him, you find out, and then at the end, Spider-Man lets him go, and that's kind of like, you were doing bad things, but you've recognised it, you can redeem yourself. But with yeah. Joker, it's like, you can't, there's nothing you could do to redeem yourself unless you literally sacrifice yourself in some sort of endgame situation, as in, not not the film of Endgame, I mean, like an actual, the apocalypse is going to happen, you have to sacrifice yourself to save everyone. That is the yeah. only way Joker could potentially get kind of redeemed, and that is yeah. like, even then you're like it doesn't make up for all the stuff he's done <laughs> it's no. it's still it's just like well he was pretty bad but he did that one nice <laughs> nice thing at the end <laughs> yeah oh that's yeah that's that's precisely
0: my point that the awful stuff he's done can't you can't go back and find sympathy for the character like like you say with someone there i mean throughout the course of that particular film he you know he, he's just trying to rob some banks isn't he or something like that I don't think he actually tries to I don't think he
1: specifically tries to kill anyone it's not like the joker killings which is like you know horrendous (laughs) psychopathic stuff
0: yeah exactly he's not there trying to you know make anyone else suffer he's just trying to it's all a means to an end for him isn't it you know Mm -hmm. and it was a, a, a sort of a tragic accident that turned him into the Sandman and he's not trying to kill the world he's just trying to (laughs) make some money isn't he so you can yeah yeah, you can see that redeemable side of it but i just think here he's gone too far Mm. um now speaking of going too far the barbara gordon scene in this um Mm. which is incredibly incredibly controversial and very sort of near the line of you know i don't want to say decency but near the line of of what you know what you can depict without sort of being overly explicit
1: with it, and what the mm-hmm. in, in terms of what the pushing the boundaries. Yes, very Alan Moore. Very, it makes me think of very Alan Moore sort of stuff. He's yeah. always trying to you know, pushing without without being unnecessarily vulgar and explicit in things. He yeah. he pushes your your almost your eyes and your mind. Up to the very limit, and then goes, mm. You know what's over that ridge? I'm yeah. not gonna, it's like the no man's land of your imagination. Like, you know what's over there, you can kind of see, but I'm not specifically showing you, I'm yeah. just getting you as close to it as possible, which I do love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that th- and th- you've really summed up what he does in this book with the Babylon because he, you know what, you know what the joke has done, but you don't see it in mm. full but you know what he's done. He just gives you enough of a hint. I mean, spoilers, I should have said spoilers at the top of the show, but I suppose anyone who's uh, listening to this for a 30-odd-year-old book, you can't worry too much about spoilers. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, so obviously, the Joker's sort of modus operandi for this book is to basically drive Commissioner Gordon, Jim Gordon, insane and prove that all it takes, like you said earlier, is one bad day to take someone who is for all intents and purposes, a sane character, an upstanding citizen, a man of the law and turn him insane. Just one Mm. bad day. One day where everything goes horrifically wrong, your world collapses around you. And like it did to the Joker, uh, whether that's true or not, we don't know. Um, Like it did to Batman, but obviously Batman uh, chose to make sense of it and channel that. And in doing so, as part of his sort of conquest to uh, do this to Jim Gordon, he shoots his daughter, Barbara, a.k.a. Batgirl, uh, in the spine, cripples her. And whilst uh, Jim is being sort of kidnapped and taken away for the next stage of his torture, um, Barbara Gordon is sort of stripped naked, and there's a implied sexual assault we don't see it we don't 100% get told that actually happened he might just have taken the, the pictures of her there with the bullet wound and she's sort of naked bleeding out on the floor but it's heavily implied that he sort of did some horrific shit to her while she was in that state um and not only this they actually made this into canon as well because then barbara gordon um became or the oracle character in in the wheelchair because she could no longer be Batgirl. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they've since retconned it because in when DC moved to the new 52, they all of a sudden she could walk again and she was Batgirl again. When they rebooted the continuity, they just sort of went down a path of saying, oh well, yeah, she was crippled, but three years later she learned to walk again and now she's Batgirl. But for the longest time she was wheelchair bound. So they kept that in. Um, what do you make of that particular chain of events. Um, a lot of people are not happy about it. Um, I'll get on to in a bit. Um, there's a sort of a, a movement where they talk about the use of women in that way in comics and um, how they're used um, to, not to further their own character, but to basically service the growth of the male character through suffering. Mm. Um, but what do you think uh, of this particular scene? It's pretty. It's pretty grim and mm. it is pretty grotesque stuff but it's never it's never explicitly depicted is it?
1: No. I'd, I'd say it's, it's almost like when you're reading it and I, I just um, when reading I just flipped through just to remind myself exactly of what the, the images were shown uh, of and it's, it is very much see, the photos you kind of see her, her bum a bit with a bit of blood next to it and then you see kind of a bit of her legs and yeah. it is as much as you'd not necessarily want to see but I, I feel like while I was reading it for the first time and I went through it all, I did there was never a point where I was like taken aback by how grotesque it was in mm. the sense of like, oh, I need to look away because it's disgusting. It was more just I could feel it. I could like feel how dark it was and how awful it was. Yeah. And I kinda like almost like almost like frowning while you're reading it, but still reading on. It's it's that sort of feeling. And with with Barbara, it's it's a hard one because understanding what people are saying with the sort of you know females a lot being used as plot devices or just to further the males plots and things like that i can see how that can be the case but i feel like there's a lot of weight in uh, a male's a guy having a daughter i'm not saying that guys don't love their sons i'm not saying that mums don't love their sons or daughters but in a lot of the time especially when you get an older man in power such as jim gordon yeah he would sacrifice his life, he would sacrifice basically anything or anyone for the greater good. But his one sweet spot, if it was his son, it w- the scene wouldn't have worked in the same way. Because as far as I know, because Juba Gordon has a daughter, he is straight. So it, it's meant to be the case of he, the Joker is abusing his daughter, who he holds dear, mm. has crippled his daughter, and in those photos it looks like she's either dead or dying, in a, in a way. Uh Kind of like writhing in pain and things obviously bleeding out and also it is unfortunately the sexual side of it which makes it so much darker you know taking shooting your daughter in the spine and then taking photos of her that is horrendous obviously but then stripping her naked Mm. and taking photos of her that becomes a sexual act yeah and i feel like if he had a son and obviously it wouldn't be canon or anything like that it wouldn't make a lot of sense if he just suddenly had a son for this comic but if he had a son and he took the naked photos of the son to a heterosexual male seeing pictures of his naked son. It it doesn't have the same insane inducing effects as seeing your daughter in that position. So I feel like it's just furthering the Joker being going to any length possible to just prove a point. And that's one of the things which the dark Knight Joker is, is very much, why is one of everyone's favorite iterations, and obviously Heath Ledger's performance was great. But one of the things that struck me when I saw Dark Knight was when Joker did that thing where he put uh, two sets of people on boats. It was the prisoners and the yes. good, normal people, and then he gave them both devices and said, "If you, one of you doesn't press the button, you're both gonna die. One of you has to do it." And that was one of the moments that is my favorite part in probably the whole film. I'd say because that is when I was watching that, I was like, "That is so clever," mm. and that's what the Joker is. He is he's one of the most intelligent planners for a lot of things but he uses it for such horrendousness it's like the most uh, grotesque creativity and I feel like if it was another gendered character or something it wouldn't have the same effect I feel like it had to hit as hard as possible and the scene where Jim Gordon is stripped naked and put on basically like a ghost town ride and you've got the Joker sort of talking to him through the giant TVs and things and then it gets a scene where everything is just kind of red and it's just pictures of her and Jim Gordon just kind of trying to look away but there's it's everywhere he can't look away and i think yeah, you know it, it it was so hard hitting yeah that i don't feel like it could have been done any better and yeah. and that's why i feel like that scene itself is in this scene in this book i feel like everything works together so well because every piece of the puzzle was necessary and i feel like if any part of it was changed or amended it would, or even anything maybe even added to it, it would actually take away from it. It's, it's meant to be purely what it is. And, and I'd say I love it. And I mean, the theme of the comic, I mean, the, I've got to say the art style as well. Like the, one of the first things I thought when I opened this book and uh, started reading through it is mm. you've got the, the first, as you said, the first five panels, uh, first five pages rather. It's just like nine panels a page of just things happening with not really any text. Yeah. And I feel like the whole theme of it goes together very well and there's this sort of this darkness this eeriness to it and you only see what you need to see yeah. and then you get to that scene and it's probably the one scene where people would go you should we don't want to see any of this it's like no you're seeing what you need to see you're seeing as much as you need to see and that's the beauty of it so yeah, I would say in that it's just it's the most horrendous thing you can almost do to someone and because of that it's brilliant in the context of the comic book and I think it fits perfectly with the joker this if someone doesn't know who the joker is or anything like Ooh. that i would say aside from maybe dark knight only on the basis that it kind of is more to him in that you know two and a half hour runtime than maybe in this comic but i'd say this comic itself is the perfect one person one shot guide to what the joker is all about i know yeah. it's got the origin story stuff as well but even if you maybe took the origin story out if you just showed him being Joker and what he did, you'd immediately get an idea of what kind of person and what kind of character the Joker is compared to anyone else. And I think in that regard, it's just done excellently.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, It's, um, they they call it fridging um, this sort of Mm. way of treating women. It goes back to something that happened in the, uh, after this actually, but they retrospectively use this as an example. But in the Mm. nineties, there was a comic, a green lantern comic where his, a uh, girlfriend or the fiance wife of a half was uh, killed by his villainous adversary and mm. stuffed in the fridge uh, in oh, the God. house for him to come home and find. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which is pretty, pretty grotesque to say the least. <laughs> yeah. um, but that became a thing. I think it, yeah, it was mid nineties, I believe it was. And that became a thing where they, they, they it was called like the women in refrigerators, um, website that they they came up with the late 90s and there's a lot of feminist sort of comic book fans and writers um sort of talking about this where female characters are sort of injured or killed or you know worst maybe even raped um sometimes to stimulate like a a, the male character's story arc moving forward or to stimulate motivation for that male uh, protagonist um to go forward and take on the, the villain, you know, get his his comeuppance. Um, <laughs> and that's what they're there to do, in essence. You know, they're not mm-hmm. there to have their own part of the story. They're there to be the, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. sacrificial lamb. Um, so it... <sighs> within the context of this book i think i'm okay with it because i don't think it's there for the sake of it and a character like barbara gordon is anything but a sacrificial lamb um you you even see um post that where she's sort of not recuperating but she's you know she's in the, the hospital bed with the police and they're sort of letting batman know what happened and you can see that when she sort of comes around and Batman's sort of holding her and she's trying to, she's going, Oh my God, you know, what did he do? You know, what you don't know what he did and, and all this. Her first thought is you've got to save my dad. You know, she doesn't, she, although she's victimized and treated horrifically, she never here or at any point subsequently plays the victim role. I don't think if that makes sense. She, although she's the victim of a utterly horrific and despicable act, she still, I think she still maintains that sort of edge of strongness after that. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense to you? She's not, she, you know, she is in essence, uh, that's her two scenes in this book really, isn't there? They're getting shot at her father's apartment and then the scene with her uh, in the hospital bed afterward. But she doesn't, although she is there literally to just be that person and to, be used by the Joker to get to her father. It's not. It's not even personal. You don't think, um, with her anyway. It's it's personal with the father. Um, mm. I just think that she does at least maintain some air of, 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 almost strength, if that makes
1: sense. Yes. Yeah. It it does. She. It, I didn't. When I read this, I never thought of her as like a, a damsel in distress. No. I just thought of her as just a casualty of the Joker. And I think that the Joker in himself, from the content that I've consumed uh, regarding Joker and things, he doesn't, to my knowledge, really care about gender. He will just, no. to be blunt, fuck anyone up who's in his way. Yeah. And that's, and any means necessary. And in this specific scenario, the thing that would have hurt Jim more than anything was to hurt Barbara. Yeah. So I think in that context, it, it's what but like what in, in, in if people are going to get up in arms about this specific comic mm. i understand that maybe like a, an issue within the comic book realm and things but in this specific comic i just think if you looked at commissioner gordon as a character in the canon of this sort of uh, batman universe mm. is there anything else you could have actually done which would potentially? if you're trying to make him go insane yeah. what could you do if it's more the question i would ask in some ways
0: yeah yeah exactly um and that sort of ties into the i think the main theme of the book actually um mm. although it's a batman book it he is not the main character of this sort of 48 page magnum opus it's a joker story isn't it it's not a batman mm. story but i i, it, I think that it the sort of main message of this book is is oh, yes, it's about you know how far can one person be pushed uh, in the shape of in the wake of, of tragic events and things everything piling on top of you. But I think what it is fundamentally about is showing that Batman and the Joker are so fundamentally shaped in the same way and so alike. They're almost two sides of a of the same coin, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're both shaped by tragedy and loss um, again we don't know if what the joker that memory whether that's actually true whether that happened or whether he was just born batshit we'll we'll never know for sure and that's the beauty of it like we've said but both of them had that one bad day didn't they you know that man was a child and his mom and mom and dad were gunned down murdered in front of him think about that what that must do to a child uh, but he took that pain and that trauma and that suffering and channeled it into becoming Batman to protect the innocent and war on crime for the rest of his life. Whereas the Joker took that tragedy and loss of his, you know, his his pregnant wife dying and him being in an accident, which dramatically altered his appearance and gave him this hideous look uh, and became for all intents and purposes, a fucking lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, do you know what I'm saying? It kind of... Yeah, that, doesn't exactly it? They, that. They're very I'd similar, say- but so so opposed at the same time, the light and the dark. Yeah.
1: I'd say it's one of those things, which is what this book does do beautifully, is exactly yeah. as you've said, is it's kind of like, if the world hurts you, how do you respond? Yeah. Do you respond by hurting it back to get it even? Or do you respond by recognizing that life is is just shit sometimes and you want to try and improve everyone else's and, and that's what happens just with people isn't it you know you get people who do get unfortunately abused as children but it's not mm-hmm. every person who is abused as a child becomes a heinous person it, it's i'm not saying with child abuse it's this simple i'm not i don't want to get into some sort of <laughs> debate about that but yeah. in the context of this comic it is basically horrendous stuff can happen to anyone but if it happens when you stand back up again, will you stand and then push everyone else back to the ground or will you stand and try and bring everyone else who's down up with you? And Batman is the person who he wants to try and make the whole world better Mm. because his world was so dark. Whereas Joker wants to make everyone else's world as dark as his because he suffered. And I think that is exactly, that's the main line where they differ. Almost everything else about them is similar to to the core of their being. It's Mm. just that almost that one thing. Yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's like they both went to the edge mm-hmm. and were standing over the abyss and one of them sort of stared back at the abyss and used and went, no, I'm not going to be beaten. I'll channel myself. I'll train myself. I'll use every penny of my fortune and my resources and I'll make sure or at least my obsession is that this won't happen to anyone else. And that's Mm -hmm. how I'll live the rest of my life. Whereas the other one looked into the abyss and just in his own mind, at least saw that the world was just a fucked up place and we're all doomed. And you know, that's the joke. Um, (laughs) so why not embrace the chaos and fuck it all? And let's just watch the world burn, you know?
1: Mm, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think so. I think it's, it's, and there's so much of that in this book. I mean, you, the opening scene, isn't it? Where we where were saying before, you, you, after you get that swathes of, of pages with nothing to say mm. is it, it, starts, doesn't it? With Batman going to visit the Joker in Arkham Asylum. Although we find out he's not there. <laughs> he's escaped by now, yeah. but he's going to see him, isn't he? To say, look, you know, the way this is going to end our sort of eternal fight in the end, we're going to kill each other. He actually says, he literally says that to him, doesn't he? He says, "Yeah." In, in the end, we're going to kill each other, aren't we? You know, perhaps you'll kill me or I'll kill you. I don't know how, which way it's going to go. It could be tomorrow. It could be in the future. We don't know, but I can only see that as the ending, but I don't want that to happen. There's got to be a way that we can not figure it out, but at least yeah. avoid any more carnage, any more collateral damage. Um and, you see, that's what he, he wants more than anything. And that's, and obviously the, the games are fought from there. Mm-hmm. But, and that's a perfectly mirrored, isn't it? At the end is like, the, the two sides are almost it's really clever storytelling by Moore actually where the end sort of exactly mirrors the beginning where yes. they face off because from that start to the end they never meet do they? Mm, um, no the no, story is, like tracking him down almost exactly he's on the he's on the trail, he's on the case. They don't meet each other at all until the last few pages of the book because obviously as we said at the start of the book that's not the Joker. It's a a decoy a stand in. And mm. the Joker's sort of saying to him, look, you know this, you're right. This is how it's going to end. You know, there is no other future for us other than this. Um, we're just destined to always be like this or, or the only way we're not always going to be like this is if one of us dies. That's the only way this is ever going to stop. And that's true. That's true of their sort of, I mean, they've 80 years now they've, you know, literally just this last few weeks, they put DC put out a, an 80th anniversary joker special comic to mark him being 80 years as a character and batman's been around one year more 81 mm. So for years these two have been arch enemies which is quite mind-blowing when you think about it I, I can't think of any other sort of characters that have had that much uh interaction you know there's other legendary sort of fictional characters of you know opposition but they've never
1: had that amount of exposure to each other. It's quite... No, I mean... When you think about it. I think, it. is Superman... Like, I, I would say, with Superman and Lex Luthor, I'd say even them, they aren't as notorious together as Batman and Joker. No. Like if you ask... Everyone knows Superman. Everyone knows who, the, who Superman is, everyone and their mums. But if you said to them, oh, who is uh, Superman's arch-nemesis? Yeah. I'd probably, if you ask everyone somehow who in the Western world, I'd say, out of everyone who can name who Superman is, mm-hmm. I'd probably say... Half, maybe two thirds, at a push, would know Lex Luthor. Yeah. Whereas, if you say Batman, I'd say ninety-five, ninety-eight percent of people. If you say Batman, who's his name? Is this Joker? Just straight away, mm. everyone knows that. So, I think he is—he's probably the most famous villain ever. On the question, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, uh, there's no two ways
0: about it. I mean, what other, what other comic book villains had their own movie? You know, well, yeah. and not well, yeah, only that, exactly. but it was a, it was an R-rated movie that made whether it made a billion or got very close to it, it was in that ballpark, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, And swept up all the awards as well at awards season last year and richly deserved too, in my opinion. Um, But what, what other, like you said, what other villain would ever have
1: their own movie like that? It just wouldn't happen, would it? No, no, it doesn't. You don't have that. No one has that notoriety. And it's also, it works as well. You can really feel it, not just with the super fans, but also with the casual fans of whenever there's an iteration of the Joker, that's the thing people talk about basically as much, if not at times more than Batman. When Dark Knight came out, although Batman Begins, obviously preceded it and everyone got to talk about Christian Bale to a degree as Batman then. When Dark Knight came out, everyone said, you know, uh, this film is amazing. It's incredible. This is the best Joker ever. Yeah. Or you know, there's some people saying, uh, I don't know, you know, the Jack Nicholson Joker is better. But generally, it was the main talking point of Dark Knight was a how amazing it was, and b that the talking about Joker that that yeah. was the two points. No one was saying Christian Bale's performance was amazing. It was, but that wasn't that that wasn't the talking point. It's with mm. Suicide Squad, you know, a lot of things to Suicide Squad. It was a very flawed film. I still enjoy it. Um, I think it's it's got some cool parts in it. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem that most people had and probably myself is the iteration of the joker and not to dive in it i think Jared leto his performance wasn't ideal but i think the way they wrote the joker as he was some sort of thug as opposed to the clever cunning person everyone knows he is he was just this kind of strange hissing gangster yeah (laughs) that was the problem with it like i think feel like if they in suicide squad didn't do what they did with joker if they'd have made him if they just played it safe and just made him almost the same as he was in dark Knight or any of his other iterations the film would have probably done so much better because of that's people want people were not like oh my god suicide squad what you got harley quinn and you've got joker that sounds amazing oh this isn't the Joker we necessarily yeah. want, and it's not a new take anyone's that interested in, and that, in my view, is one of the things that ruined Suicide Squad for the public and why it got such ridiculously low reviews, even though I feel like it shouldn't have got as low as it did. And that's why Joker, when, as you said, its own standalone film comes out, and everyone's so excited to see it, and I'm not, I'm not the biggest DC fan. I try and see all the movies and things. I, I do, I like DC. It's really cool, and I really like Marvel and the Avengers movies as well. I, I love them, but. As soon as I heard of a Joker movie, I was like, 100% in. But like, I gotta care who's in it. I mean, Parking Phoenix is a fantastic actor and it's like, I, I, it wouldn't matter and it almost almost everyone I knew, there were mates of mine who don't even watch Marvel movies anymore because they said, you know, there's 20 what, of them, most of them are the same and I'm just yeah. not into that sort of film. All of them want to go see Joker. Everyone. And most of them, like even Megan, like my girlfriend, she hasn't even seen all the DC movies. I, I showed her Suicide Squad before seeing the Harley Quinn movie because she hadn't even seen that but even she saw the trailer for Joker and asked me if we could go see it and I was like yeah. 100% yes but even she who doesn't read any comics and doesn't really know about the universes of Marvel or DC even she wanted to go see the Joker so it just shows how powerful he was of a character and I'd say that this comic is so good at representing that and it's even on the cover like the cover is him with a camera it, yeah. it's called Batman the Kidney Joke, but the cover is Joker and yeah. I know in comics when a big bad he has his main issues you know it does often have them on the cover to some degree but it is it's almost like yeah this is the joker featuring in little letters batman
0: yeah oh i completely agree i mean he's i would say batman's in it maybe 50 percent of the book uh, maybe yeah. maybe even less without uh, mm. doing some quick calculation he's he's not in that much but you're completely right what you're saying about the joker and and as far as i'm aware at least i don't think i'm i'm sure somebody out there will probably shoot me down and correct me when i'm obviously wrong but i, I can't think of any other character fictional character obviously mm-hmm. um that's had two people play it and both win academy awards for playing it he fledger and your and phoenix both won academy awards granted he fledger won best supporting actor he didn't be win best lead actor which vacuum phoenix did but it was nevertheless he won an acting oscar for it um mm. for playing the same person you know the same character vastly different films not the same universes blah 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 but this and years on, apart as well. uh, exactly yeah uh, but but the same character and i can't think mm. of any other fictional role where two people have played it and both won academy awards for it i don't that's a bit of a trivia that one if uh, anyone knows (laughs) if that's the case you know Jesus or something like that
1: (laughs) Um, Jesus the Christ or maybe something else but even that it's very hard to think of I mean superhero films everyone you know generally in air quotes everyone loves Marvel movies but Mm. it's quite rare for them to win awards it it doesn't or at least in my mind they've obviously visual effects and stuff often but I mean like sort of the really big awards they're normally I don't really recall many of them getting there it's normally other films so for a film that is Mm you know, wasn't going to be in the DCEU, but I think now they're kind of going to push it into the DCEU or, or there's talks of it, maybe of a sequel. And they're probably just going to DC going to kind of figure out where they want to go with it if they want to make a sequel with Walking mm-hmm. Phoenix and then probably push that into the DCU. But it is weird seeing like a superhero film that getting that much uh wind behind it. And it literally yeah. just being. marketed says, yeah, this is how joke went mad. That's it. There's no... That in the trailer wasn't saying like oh there's a big Batman fight or oh it's you know retconning Suicide Squad nothing. Like that. It was just hey this is a man and he goes mental and he becomes the Joker and that, yeah. that's the premise of the film and it's so simple but it's mm. so brilliant and it just shows the diversity of Joker as an individual as a character as as an eth- ethereal character and it yeah. can have so many different iterations. Yeah. But people are still going for it even after the Suicide Squad thing. I imagine a lot of people were like look don't don't care about Joker anymore and then Joker comes out and you're like no nah, I'll give it I'll give it another go for this <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. It's one of them. It'll just be forever being new interpretations will always come around. I mean, they reckon, I did read the other day that in obviously the the Matt Reeves, Batman, Robert Pattinson, Batman, that will be out mm. next year. Uh, hopefully, if it's not been, the production's not been held up too much by uh, the COVID, but it should be out next year. Um, they reckon even there, they might be towards the end or maybe even like a credit scene, which teases the Joker for mm-hmm. a potential sequel to that film i mean it just i mean i mean if and if he is in that well would that be Joaquin Phoenix's Joker which i don't know how they would fold that in because that film of course is set back in the 80s isn't it in the Joker film and mm-hmm. if you're setting this Batman in the modern day then how would that play because he'd be in effect an old man by present day wouldn't he because that's set, set 35 years ago so would it yeah. work but i don't know but I, what i'm saying is either way it looks like there'll be another version of that character coming down down mm. the down the uh, pipe but that will always be the case won't it because they'll always be making batman films they'll be making batman oh, films yeah. for, for the rest of eternity and if you're making batman films sooner or later you're going to put the joker in one of them
1: aren't you you can't have one without the other well, exactly. And it, and it was, I'm still trying to think, like I'm thinking of all the superhero films and things I like, and I, I haven't read a huge, huge amount of comics. So I've kind of, I've read a fairish amount of like dots and pieces in here, but I've played a lot of video games and obviously watched all the main air quotes films, but I'm thinking of like, you know, Spider-Man, th- I'd probably argue the three most famous uh, superheroes, are Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, uh, yeah. most likely. And even with that, like I, Superman, uh, Superman um, Spider-Man, he's, arch nemesis it kind if you talk to different people it kind of depends who you talk to because i'd say it's probably venom but i know that venom in a couple of iterations works with spider-man because of carnage but then there's also doc ock which a lot of people say is it but then it depends what universe you go into it will depend on which kind of villain is more villainous in a sense to spider-man and you've got you know x-men you've got our magneto but then you've also got the sentinels and i know they're marvel things but the the more because I was thinking that probably the fourth most popular or known superhero is probably someone like Wolverine so I'm just kind of thinking like a lot of these characters it doesn't seem to be one big consistent villain except Batman's Joker because I just I can't it's one of the things where it's just obviously this this uh, podcast has been very much blowing wind up Joker's ass but it is true it's one of those things where it's undeniable the more I try and think about it and the more I'm thinking surely there's got to be an exception but I I really I don't think there is genuinely
0: no, I completely agree with you. And what's even more astounding is that Batman as a character has a rogues gallery of villains to face off with like no one else as well. It's not oh, like he he's, he's it's not like he's scrabbling around for opposition and he's got the Joker and that's about it. He's got about a, at least, you know, 12 to 15 other really well-known villainous characters to play off at, play off mm-hmm. against. You could make five Batman films from now over the next 10 years say and not put the joker in any of them and they would still be chock full of villainous characters that everyone knows and everyone's familiar with and yeah. um, so it's not like joker's got nothing to compete against in the sort of <laughs> man batman uh, universe has he but he's just transcended that universe to become something something huge isn't he i mean you know everyone mm. sort of waxes lyrical about thanos these days and what a yeah. great what a great villain that was and is. And, you know, those films are superbly plotted and pointed out and everything, but before the MCU would your average should have, obviously your comic book fans would know who Thanos was, but before the MCU would, you know, well, I didn't. Casual, well, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah,
0: it, I, I didn't know. So. Exactly. I'm a sort of a case in point, but everyone, like you said, everyone knows the Joker, don't they? You know, 100%. From young to old, I've got a five-year-old son He knows who the Joker is. You, know, you could find a 95-year-old and they probably know who the Joker is. So it's, it just goes to show what a, an amazing, villainous, one-off character is. And I don't think there ever will be another villainous character that has that same appeal i really don't think there'll ever be another one like that as long as uh, people are producing this kind of thing i just don't think it'll happen
1: to be frank no i, I agree with you i don't think it I, I think he's got the legacy behind him and the yeah. potential in front of him as well yeah. so yeah i agree yeah oh it's an
0: evergreen character um speaking of the joker then one thing then that is open very much open to interpretation in this book in a book full of things that are open to interpretation is the conclusion of the book And Mm. it can be taken in a lot of ways. It's been sort of very ambiguously written by Alan Moore and extremely ambiguously drawn by Brian Bolland. And that is the fate of the Joker at the end of the book. Mm. Um, So we get this big face off where Batman finally catches up with him. We get this sort of knockdown, drag out fight and Batman's still saying to him, look, you know, this is our last chance to sort this out. You know, what you've done is horrific, but I don't, I still want to bring you in by the book. It's what Jim Gordon wants, which is astounding that despite all that, you know, if it was me and he'd done what he did to, uh, to my daughter and put me through that, I'd be like, just fucking kill him. Just, (laughs) yeah, (laughs)
1: Yeah. you would though, wouldn't you? But he, percent.
0: yeah, when Batman catches up with Gordon and he's sort of stripped naked with a dog collar on and he's been subjected to all this horrific, traumatic stuff he still says to batman doesn't he i want yeah. him brought in by the book don't don't kill him don't don't do this bring him in alive i, I need it um and and that's what batman wants isn't he He's saying to joker look you know i've got the pages in front of me saying you know it doesn't have to end like that i don't know what it was that bent your life out of shape but who knows maybe i've been there too maybe i can help we could work together i could rehabilitate you we don't have to kill each other what do you say he, you know, he's just beaten the shit out of him, but he says, to him, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to kill you. You you deserve to have, I'm not going to kill you. You know, it's not too late. We can not fix you, but at least stop you from doing this kind of thing again. And, and there's like this pregnant pause and Joker says, no, I'm sorry, but no, it's too late for that far Mm -hmm. too late. And then, you know, tells this sort of elaborate joke. Um, and then, the sort of debate is does batman kill the joker at the end of the book we get this we get this joke where he tells this sort of elaborate gag to batman and and batman starts uncharacteristically uh, smiles and starts laughing at him sort Mm. of uncontrollably and the pair of them are sort of laughing uncontrollably and then it's very cleverly drawn isn't it you see this image of batman putting his hands on him but then you think they're laughing together so is he like mates do when you're laughing together you might put your arm around each other or hold each other up because you're laughing so much Uh, Mm. or is he is he stabbing him through the heart i mean it's it opens so much interpretation because just after that the laughter stops doesn't it there's not there's no more sound so what do you think? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer, is there? Really, it's you can no. it how you want to take it, and it's kind of an in isolation story. So you can't say, well, he, he, he couldn't have killed him because he was back later that year, and a death in the family crowbar in Jason Todd over the back of the head. So he's not dead, <laughs> and he's been back ever since, um, of course. But within the context of this story, yes, he could have killed him. Um, mm. What do you think?
1: Yeah, because I've, I've basically, the reason I've got the comic next to me is I want to specifically look at the, um, look at it, because as much of this this comic is very much, the written story is as equally important as the visuals of this one. Whereas I find like there's certain other comics, uh, like a lot of the Star Wars comics I read, it almost doesn't really matter what you're seeing because it's the dialogue that makes the thing end makes the plot move forward that sort of thing but as you say this comic is so brilliantly done that visuals are as important if not arguably more important than just the the dialogue itself and i think if you took all the dialogue out of this the the comic would almost make the same amount of sense but if you only put the text it wouldn't it wouldn't at all so i'm looking at it and it is is interesting because yeah you've got sort of the the nine panels per page thing again uh, on the final page which i really like and then you've got him sort of ending his joke Batman says, Heh, and then the next page, they're both laughing. And then you hear the sort of the wee noise, which I assume is the police car. And there's like a head or a Batmobile and there's uh, lights coming in the background. And then the ha ha continues. And then the ha ha stops. And then the last three panels, you get the E noise of over the car or the siren. And then the last two panels are basically just rainwater. Yeah. I, I don't know, uh, which is obviously the kind of <coughs> the bad answer, but I remember when I read it and then I, when i first read this and i turned the page and i was like wait and you turn the page and it's got the sort of outro thing by the author or by, by brian bollard and i was like oh and so it took me a minute and in this version that i've got it's um you know the cover's got uh joker with the camera but it's hardback so you take the the sleeve off and then, yeah. then the fifth to last panel was in the one where a Joker, a Batman is holding Joker and it's got the laughing. That's on the cover of the hardback and it's all foil. And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, and I was asked it's called the killing joke. I wonder if this is where he kills Joker. And then you get to the end and it's like a few things did run through my mind. It was like there's the part of it which is, does he have almost like a really brutal way of looking at it, but almost like he's got like a spiked glove and he literally punches through Joker's chest, and that's mm. like what you're seeing. Or is it he's mm. holding him by the throat? Or is it you know, is it a case if he's holding him there and then the car kind of comes and Batman throws him into the car and the car runs it? It could be so many different interpretations of it. And with him, the Batman laugh is definitely the thing that makes you question the most. Because as you say, it's so uncharacteristic of Batman. He's so, he's so stoic and he's so calm or angry. And him laughing, it's like, is he laughing because he's finally lost his marbles and he's finally realized there's no getting to the sky. It's it's just the end here. And that's why he's laughing. Or is it, he's kind of, he's laughing because he's like, here we go again. We're stuck in this circle. (laughs) You know, I, I'm inclined to think if this was taken as its own individual, if this was, I know there is an animated movie thing of it, but if this was like a movie and they did it shot by shot, exactly the same as this. Yeah. And then it ends exactly where it ended. And there was somehow no other content in that universe. I would say, I think he did kill him yeah. because of the laugh. And I, I think that with all of that and Batman trying to give him the last chance and almost begging for him to just be like, he's almost saying to Joker, look, just be quiet. Say you're sorry. And I need help and mm-hmm. I'll forgive you. That's all you need to say. That's, and even though we both know you're still going to do these things, Just let me have this. Let me just, for Gordon, who does, he wants you to let me have it, you know, let me have this calm and we can try and work something out, even though it may not go down that way because obviously the stuff he said at the start and him laughing is just, I think Batman finally almost losing to the Joker, Yeah, but because that, that is kind of the Joker's goal, isn't it? That's what it's kind of, his thing is like, he's trying to make someone in air quotes normal or in air quotes, good fool that's his whole goal with with jim and it's maybe yeah. the whole idea is maybe that was never the point the joker was never trying to get jim to go the idea was he was trying to get batman to kill mm-hmm. him yeah. because if batman killed the joker he can never come back from that if jim lost his mind and went crazy or ever uh, somehow and was irredeemable there could be another police commissioner. he probably wouldn't be as good as god but you could kind of but there can't be another batman and if Batman loses his rigid morals for even five seconds, that is enough for someone to become a villain. You could yeah. be, as an example, you could give to charity uh, your entire life. You could donate uh, all your money to charity. You could spend all your free time doing stuff at homeless shelters and mm. saving puppies and things. But if in a five seconds of your life, you murder someone with an axe, all of that goodness is not, you can't be, you can't say, I'll give to charity for 50 years and that gives me enough good points to murder someone because that isn't how it works. Yeah, you don't build up think, credit, do you? <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly that. So it's like, in that regard, it doesn't matter how much good Batman can do. If he murders someone, it goes against his own moral code. Yeah. And that in itself, and obviously killing someone in cold blood, you know, obviously there's. It's a bit of ambiguity when it comes to Batman, you know, when you're watching him either in comics or elsewhere where he punches someone and they flip off a railing in like a prison, you know, there's like a prison brawl going on. He punches someone, they flip off a railing and fall down. It's like, well, and they were threatening him. It's like, well, you know, that isn't the same as holding someone who is unarmed that you've clearly yeah. beaten and then stabbing, choking them or killing them. It's very, two different very ways of yeah. killing in a, in a lot of ways. It's basically the between murder and self-defense, isn't it? And it's like, yeah. if Batman gave up trying to help and he went with that sort of the Punisher style of not forgiving someone. I feel like the Joker has won, and this is a, a very Joker-centric comic. So I feel like I'm inclined to say that Batman did kill Joker, and that means that Joker won at the end. That That's kind of how I interpreted it.
0: I, I can completely get on board with that. I think that the Joker actually gives him permission to kill him before he kills Mm -hmm. him with that whole bit. I was just quoting before about him saying, you know, we'll sort you out, we'll fix you, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll we'll fix your head. We'll sort this out. Mm -hmm. And he, he he specifically says there, we don't have to kill each other. What do you say? We don't have Mm -hmm. to kill each other. And the Joker just says, no, it's too late for that. It's far too late.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: then almost as, he's like the condemned man with his sort of last last request his last meal is him telling this joke he's the joker he's a he's a in this context of the story he's a one is a failed stand-up comedian isn't he so telling Mm -hmm. jokes was was going to be his career his path to fame and fortune and a and a better life for his wife and, and child to be and obviously that didn't happen it was all taken away from him so I honestly think that I mean, again, it's all interpretation, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. all how yeah. someone sees it. But the way I see it, at least, is at the end there, Batman gives him a choice. I think he says, "I'll, if you don't want me to kill you, I won't kill you. I'll, I'll bring you in. I'll arrest you, and we'll lock you up, and we'll, we'll work on your, your head." But I think that's the Joker saying to him. He gives it that moment just to think about it, and goes, "Ah, fuck it. Nah, it's not gonna. It, that's not how this ends. It ends with one of us dead." And he knows mm-hmm. it's not he knows it's not gonna be him because he's lost the fight. So the only way this is gonna end is if Batman kills him. And I think he in that th- in that panel there, he's giving Batman permission to end his life and then mm. and then as a the condemned man gets the last request granted, don't they? Uh mm. before they're executed. And it's just his way of doing that is him saying, I tell you what, I'll tell you a joke, because that's what I am. I'm the Joker, I'm a stand up comic, so here we go Mm. is this shitty joke (laughs) and like you said after that joke with batman because the thing about batman is and it's still a a joke in in dc comics to this very day people you know is the fact that he's like a a humorless character there's Mm. no there's no quips with batman there's he barely smiles um you know when he when he does smile people joke about it you know it's within in the comics i mean i don't mean sort of outside of that but within the comic yeah. world it everyone refers to how humorless he is and you know he's all business so like you said the fact that he he cracks a smile and then starts giggling and laughing uncontrollably i think you're right i think batman has gone to that level and i think it's quite a clever thought what you've had there about saying that perhaps it was the joker's master plan all along to not send gordon Round the twist but to send his arch nemesis round the twist but use gordon as the conduit for that mm-hmm. to happen um so i do think yeah i do think he's killed him at the end there um yeah but we'll never know because there is no definitive answer i don't think alan moore has ever to the best of my knowledge given a definitive answer on
1: that one way or another he's not that kind of guy is he a lot of the time he just kind of wants things to be interpreted and that's why he a lot of the time he moans about movies and things yeah. if they're ever made of his own works he just goes yeah I didn't watch it didn't want to These they've interpreted it in some way I'm not interested I wrote it my way people yeah. can interpret it how they want but I don't like people telling others this is how it happens and obviously movies in general are a bit more sort of solid and where everyone wants you know mm-hmm. this I know it didn't happen when Watchmen or Vifendetta came out, but you know, when it was, when movies are now, it's very much, okay, this is the canon. This is the yeah. MCU. This is the DCU. This is the Star Wars canon. This did happen yeah. objectively. It was on screen. If you don't like it tough, that's what's going on. And that's, that I think from what I can tell about Alan Moore and some of the things in the interviews I've heard of him and things, is not really one for that sort of stuff. He is much yeah. more, I'm the conduit of creativity. He is what I made. Yeah. Interpret it how you will, but don't, anyone this is specifically yes or no and i and there's a lot of artists that do a lot of singers and artists in a lot of the music i listen to where they get asked in interviews oh what does the song mean and you go mm. and they go whatever you want it to mean yeah. i don't like and that's i feel i mean i have interest with uh, you say about obviously the comic is it like is this comic i don't know as much about dc comics and things um so i know there's varied universes but is there like a main run universe like the the main universe in a, in a sense of like batman and then there's like side universes and then does the canon get reset every certain amount of years Like as a vague idea mm. how does that work yeah there, there is a, a main
0: continuity um mm. and every so often <laughs> marvel do it too not just dc mm. but yeah every every few years they'll kind of not completely reboot um but like kind of softly reset the continuity so mm. there'll be some kind of Galactic crisis or something like that, which will serve as a way for the world to end or something like that, and they'll just softly reboot it they 've done it a few times in d c but generally speaking, things do stay as canon it's very mm. rare that from you have all your alternate universes you have your else world's books which tell stories of alternate universes, and mm. the d c universe itself is sort of set within multiple um uh, alternate realities of uh, mm. infinite earth so to speak so yeah. yeah but your main your main continuity is pretty consistent uh, even when they do reboot it they don't tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater and it's not with batman they've, they've done it with other characters um like <laughs> i won't mention going too far into it but giving superman jeans that was a horrific uh, mistake when they did the new 52 after the flashpoint they sort of reset the continuity there but Batman was pretty much unchanged they didn't really do anything with him but with Superman they made his costume like a Superman t-shirt like like one of which I've got in my wardrobe with a cape attached to it and he wore fucking jeans with it and that that was his costume yeah (laughs) kind of make him a bit more street (laughs) a bit more a bit a bit more relatable which people like to say oh no one can relate to superman you know he's he's too godlike you know you can you can't relate to him uh it, that's why no one wants to see a superman movie in 2020 because you can't relate to the man i mean pff, give me strength uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that another time um but yeah with with batman they didn't do that so much in when they did a pretty hard reboot there in the new 52 they kept the the, the basic elements of the character the same um mm. so yeah, they they don't mess around with it too much. I mean with Batman they don't his mythos is pretty much set in stone. The you know, the origin story of Batman doesn't change dramatically, you know. Mm-hmm. parents were murdered when he was a, a young boy. He goes on to become Batman, that's it really. There's no there's no outside versions of that. I mean, there's alternate reality versions of him and things like that where he takes a dark path or Goes a different way, and of course there is. But in terms of the main continuity, which mm. is what you know is what is out uh, every fortnight in Batman, the the main comic and, and Detective Comics that runs alongside it, they don't tend to to muck with it too much, uh, at
1: least not most of the time, anyway. And too. was Killing Joke part of that that main run, right? or is it kind of like its own its own event? It's kind of its own event, but then the. Like I said before, they took
0: some of it and made it canon, like the Barbara mm. Gordon crippling. For, yeah, year, exactly. for years and years after that, she was wheelchair bound and had stopped being Batgirl and became Oracle, like the tech support um, to, to Batman and his sort of family of crime fighters. But then, like I said, with the new 52, which was about 2010, 2011, something like that, Yeah, they... Gave her back her ability to walk, and she was back <laughs> again. again. Um, so this is a, this is a self-contained story. It's not. I don't think it was part of the main canon, but certain bits of it came through to be. You know,
1: see, um, I see.
0: That's, that's why cool. you can kind of interpret the end the way we mm. both interpreted it, as in the joke has been been killed by Batman. Yeah. But obviously, within within the main continuity, that's the main thing, isn't it? Batman does not kill. You know that's the line he. That's the line he won't cross. That's what separates him from the people he's trying to put away. Yeah, so of you know I just think it's it's kind of its own its own thing. But it gets yeah. it gets folded in, and the um the origin of the Joker in this, the possible origin of the Joker in this, has kind of been seeped into Batman history as well. Um, mm. And it's been adopted a few times. Um, the Red Hood bit has been seeped into the mainstream continuity. I think actually they did. It was about 2013 or 14. They did like a zero year uh, DC Universe wide event with everyone sort of tying into it. And they had a Joker origin in that, which was almost the same as this with the Red Hood. okay, Something like that. But they never hang the hat on it, but it's, it's, um, it's certainly had its influence hasn't it um and speaking of influence obviously it's, it extends well beyond the comic world um like obviously we we're talking before about the joker movie before and um the dark knight even batman 89 tim burton's batman has sort of a similar way of the joker comes to be with the the falling into the the chemical pit um the, the dark knight joker like you were saying about he Ledger, and his ambiguous uh, explanation of of his sort of origin and how he got the facial scars, you know, I think even his methodology in that film, I think he says something like um, madness is like gravity. All it needs is a little push, which yes. kind of is what the message of this book is, isn't it? Really? It's kind 100%. of, very, it's very similar. Um, you know, he's not trying to do the same things in, in this book that he does in the dark night. No, of course not. <laughs> his motivation is all, almost the same, isn't it? He's trying to turn, he's not so much trying to turn Batman or Jim Gordon mad. He's trying to turn the city of Gotham mad, isn't he? Like you said, yes. the, the scene with the, uh, the two boats, one with the convicts from the prison and one with the quote unquote, normal people. It's trying to expose the worst parts of human nature, isn't it? Exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the animated film too, that they did about four or five years ago of the, of this book, uh, <sighs> hmm. dear me, a lot of people don't like it i'm kind of on the fence about it they had this weird sort of 20 minute prologue section of the book i understand adding bits on because like we said at the start of the show this is a very tight quite lean book it's only 48 pages yeah. so to make a, an 80 minute animated film you're going to have to add bits and bobs to it to flesh out the story and give you a, a film of that length if they told a, a really fateful uh, retelling of this book, you'd probably get like a half an hour long, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, film. So obviously they had to add to it, but they added this weird 20 minute prologue that has got nothing to do with the events of the book. Uh, that, and then, and then the film starts basically. And it's sort of showing the backstory of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. And she's contemplating retiring as Batgirl. In fact, I think she does retire as Batgirl at the end of this prologue. She's, she's almost become in effect what the Joker wants other people to become late in the book she tells that she goes too far to the edge she's pursuing this uh, gangster and she's getting overly violent and, and batman sort of has to pull her back from the edge and then bizarrely her and batman end up having sex on a rooftop <laughs> <laughs> go figure go, go, go figure um it, it is kind of weird and a lot of people don't like that because oh my, my god you know you can't have batman and batgirl at it that's just that's just wrong. Um, so a lot of people weren't happy about that. You know, I'm not, it doesn't bother me, but the actual complete section just made no sense really. But one thing they did do really well in that film is the ending. They did exactly the same. The ending as what we're going to ask that. Yes. As what we've just talked about is exactly the same. They have the, they have everything there and then the joke and then the, you you get the, the laughter and what the camera pans away. Yeah. So it almost, does it like it does with the panels here where you sort of see the camera pulling out from them and you just see the rainwater. The, the visual camera does the same thing at the animated film. So you are left with that exact same uh, ambiguous ending. And you know, yeah. again, you, it's all left to interpretations to what you would think. Um, I, I'd recommend you watch it if you get a chance to, to watch that film. Yeah. Watch it. I mean, take the first 20 minutes with a pinch of salt, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, then, but then from there it is almost a, a really faithful Reproduction of the book. Mm. So, you know, yeah, that's cool. If you've enjoyed the book, you'll enjoy.
1: Yeah, I, I really like the book and I want to show it to Megan as well but she's not really into comics and always yeah. kind of hesitant for that so I think it might be quite cool because I'd be like oh you like the Joker movie so mm. and you want to get into the DCEU a bit more here's a lot of influence for that sort of thing so I, I have I've got, definitely got it on my list so it is in my uh, peripheral so I'll give that a go oh yeah strongly
0: recommend it yeah I mean it's and it's um for an animated film it is, it's really adult. it's a 15 rated film as mm. well so but just because it's animated doesn't mean they've dumbed it down and, and made it any less hard <laughs> hitting or quote-unquote you know younger audience friendly they've really mm. gone all out to make it as dark and as horrific as the book so <laughs> you know it's uh, adults only viewing of course but i think you'll enjoy it overall awesome yeah, yeah absolutely 100%. yeah um okay well i've been, uh, been uh, discussing this at length so i think we have come to that sort of time of the show where it's time to sort of sum up our thoughts on it and give it our final scores out of five. Um, I always let the honoured guest have the last word, the definitive word on it. So I'll very quickly just sort of give my score out of five and why. Um, Yeah, perfect. So for this book, I've got to give it five. I just have to give it five out of five. I think it's a really wonderfully lean, tight story. I think the dark tone really appeals to me. to my sensibilities and I think it, this book kind of set the bar for all back stories that have come since uh, the Joker's origin portrayal is a bold step it seems to fit nicely and I do like the fact that they emphasize it's not set in stone and that fits the character I don't whatever want to see an origin where anyone from DC says this is it take it as read. This is the Joker's um, origin. I like, I like the flexibility. Um, I mean, it's influenced not only on comics, but on the larger media world. Can't be overstated to this day. We see it being drawn upon Tell, tell other bat stories. Um, despite being close to the bone at times, I don't think it exceeds the boundaries of good taste. And it is a, a bold delve into the mind of the Joker. The, the art's brilliant. It works together with the writing. It's a perfect synergy, I think, to create what I would call a, a seminal piece of work. So, I can't give it a higher score than that. So uh, over to you, Mike, let us know what you think.
1: I, when, before, before, when I'd read it the first time, I was thinking, uh, I don't know, you know, three or four out of five uh, right. initially. Um, because I think from previously when people sort of hyped it up to me, the problem is the great hype machine seems to ruin a lot of things. Yeah. People are hyping up and up and up. And I mistakenly thought a certain character died in it who didn't. And, It was a whole. I got told it was what's happening, but it was a completely different comic. So I went into reading it, and then I finished the comic, and I was a bit taken aback. I was like, "This is what I thought it was going to be." So I had to reread it in my sort of okay, read it for what it is, not from what this thing that you think it would have been or or whatever. And when you, I don't implore anyone who reads this, whether or not you loved it the first time or weren't a big fan, if you just read it a second time, it's almost a different viewing because the subtleties in so much of it. I mean, where well, I've been reading a lot of Star Wars comics recently for seeing my other show. I've, I've been taking note of a lot of the artists. Uh, some, some of them do a bit more cartoony, some do a bit more detailed. And I personally am much more into detailed work. I know it takes a lot longer for people, but I, I love detail when it comes to yeah. comics and things. And I think the art in this comic itself is some of the best art I think I've ever seen in anything mm. um, in written media and stuff. It's, it's got the perfect amount of detail in every way. I think the way the panels are done, like we've discussed it a couple of times, the first few panels where it's, ju- the first few pages where it's just nine panels per page. Uh, they're almost like trading card sized panels. And there's just that. And you just see bit by bit and you can feel it. And you, f- you can almost hear the rain while you're reading the first few pages or when he's outside. And at the end, you can, you can almost hear it because it, it's done so well. And there's certain panels where the Joker kind of pops out a little bit. But one thing that I forgot to bring up actually was in the flashbacks, they are black and white, except mm. one thing in each panel, or almost every panel, there's one thing that isn't black and white. Yeah, and I've just flicked to a middle bit where um, Joker's talking to his I think, wife at the time, and like I think there's carrots in a box or something that he's got on a table, and yeah. then in the next shot, there's like an apple in the corner, and that's oh. red, and it's things like that which I, I, it's in flashbacks, I like when flashbacks become black and white because it makes it much more obvious for the audience and things. Yeah. But just having one little bit of color, it, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just brilliant. Yeah, and it's just something about it. And I know that this comic was, I think, originally released in black and white, and then it got sort of redone and recolored and a, a few things kind of drawn over. Um, but the same sort of style is sticks with it. But I think that this is—I would give it a five. I, I think mm. that especially after speaking about with you and I've been trying to think like if I gave it a four I would say well there has to be a reason it's not a five and I'd say well the story is punchy it's very dark and I am a big fan of dark things it's one of the things (laughs) that I mean, I I love all the Marvel films and things, and one of the reasons I loved Endgame, and Infinity Wars, is because they're so dark, and they're not like Thor too dark, which is crap dark. I mean, like actually, <laughs> actually not just every, not the colour palette is grey, like it's actually dark, yeah. and that's what I feel like DC really need to stick to going forward. And that's one of the brilliant things about Joker is in its standalone film is that it's a dark, dark film. It's got weight to it, yeah. and I think that's what DC does the best is it's got a lot of weight. And I just feel like this comic, uh, it doesn't doesn't need anything to be added. And there's nothing I would change about it. It's got weight. The story goes along at a really great pace. You don't need to know really anything about Batman or Joker or anyone. Because Mm -hmm. within seconds, you already... That first conversation that Batman has with uh, the sort of Joker fill-in, as soon as he has that conversation, whether or not you've ever read Batman or you've read a million Batman comics, you know exactly what is going on perfectly. And I think that the way Alan Moore and Brian Bollard put this together, with Full Color and everything... I I can't, I just can't think of a way I would improve it. So in in almost surprising myself, I'd give it a five on the basis that I would implore anyone to read this and actually say, "What would you change?" And I'd be genuinely interested to know what someone would change about this novel because I, I can't think of anything. So no. I would say it's it's basically the perfect novel. I'd say if anyone is trying to get into batman or any of the sort of you know anything that's outside of the the, the films or any of the animated series i'd say this is a, it's a really good way sort of a, a good entry door to show the potential of what some of the written media in batman could be
0: yeah i completely agree i don't find any fault in it um mm. i think it's it's lean it, there's no wasted space i hate books that sort of have filler pages and don't advance the story. Everything in it is 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 on point, isn't it? The the writing, the, like you said, the art is to die for. Um, mm. the, it's the best f- I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it is um, unquestionably, and just everything about it is is top notch, isn't it? There's nothing that's lacking. Every the the, the characterization spot on. The the sort of inner workings of the characters' mind seem authentic and true to what you'd expect. I just think it's a perfectly Observed and and perfectly um, written piece of work. I can't give it any any more.
1: And it's even just at the very final page when you've got the Batman laughing scene. It's just that one panel where it's just Batman's face, and he's got a little speech one just says "hear," and then the next panel he's laughing. But that he's got the slightest slightest smirk, and it is it's perfect. It it's just it encapsulates it. And it's, as I said, when you're reading this, you feel it's it's almost like I, when I was reading, I have my own sound effects going, and you've got the rain you can hear it while you're reading the rainy parts you can kind of when you're in the uh the parts where they're in the Funland part you know nearer the end and gordon's going through this horrendous ghost train thing and it's just like you can all the color palettes and everything it just the neither the comics uh, art nor the dialogue lets either side down it's like yeah. this perfect balancing act yeah. where it's almost like if you added 0.1 percent of anything to any part it would completely unbalance it yeah. not completely you know it wouldn't ruin anything but it would unbalance it but they've they've somehow managed to absolutely spot on to the pinpoint make everything just work and it, it the comic reads exactly how it could and i figure, i feel like i could almost sit here for two hours and just talk about the last three pages yeah and discuss interpretations of i could probably think about five different interpretations of what happens at the end easily and that's brilliant i mean i don't often like open-ended stories because i often find that certain people do them when like in in movies often it happens where you've got an open-ended thing and they it feels like they just don't know how to end it so they just kind of don't whereas this was like no they know how to end it and they end it exactly where they want you to end it and, and that's right. And you can take it in a hundred different ways. You could you could say this is the end of Batman's morality. That's where it stops because if he killed the Joker in that last panel, that's where the story ends because that's where the Batman stopped being who he was and starts becoming the person that Joker wanted him to be. You know, there's hundreds of different things you could incorporate. So yeah, I just, I think this is absolutely brilliant. And I, I can't recommend anyone, whether or not you're into DC, Batman or anything. I just think this as a standalone graphic novel is is well worth the read for anyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't require a wealth of background knowledge. You can just pick it up and plow straight into it because everyone knows who these characters are. You don't mm-hmm. need to know the minutiae of them to to understand what this book is and what it's trying to say. Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely spot on. Um, brilliant. So, I mean, thank you, Mike, for <laughs> selecting this. I mean, you're speaking of spot on. Your choice has been spot on because that was you couldn't have picked a better book and I'm absolutely delighted that you did because it was an absolute treat to go back and reread it this week having not read it probably for a couple of years at least so it was absolutely brilliant so I thank you A for coming on the show and B for giving your insight and C for picking such a a marvellous subject matter so it's um, been an absolute privilege and an honour to have had you on the show Mike thank you so much for giving up your time and your insight and your expertise I'm very grateful to you for that so would you like to let the uh, listeners at home know where they can find you on social media and where to find your uh, output and where they can see the best of you fire away sir
1: Yeah, sure. No worries. So i see my two shows. There's Star Wars Comics in Canon, which is released on Saturdays, usually. um, On Saturdays on this very feed of Comics in Motion. And then my other show, Genuine Chit Chat. um, You can find that basically every you listen to uh, this this podcast as well. It's on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those sort of usual places. And uh, with Genuine Chit Chat, um, my social media for both Star Wars Comics in Canon and Genuine Chit Chat, it's just... At genuine chit chat on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, message me on any of them if anyone wants to chat. And my entire back catalogue of genuine chit chat—it's a m- big variety of things. You can go on YouTube, and I've put them into a sort of vague playlists of ones that are more about music, ones that are more about movies, ones that are more comedic and things. But if you are—if you look at my back catalogue and are a bit overwhelmed, just email me or contact me on any social media, and I'll recommend anything that fits your fancy and you know check out episode 90 where the host max Byrne, he comes on and we talk more dc and things less so about comics and work movies so if you liked this uh chat with me and max and definitely check out episode 90 of genuine chit chat and yeah at genuine chit chat basically anywhere
0: fantastic um, if anyone wants to uh, likewise say hello on twitter i'm at maxi Byrne, which is m-a-x-y-b-y-r-n-e there's links there to the various uh, comic book related and pop culture related sites i write reviews for and what have you and of course there'll be uh, links to this show and the comics in motion uh, twitter feed as well so there's everything there you need to uh, find what's going on and um, so thank you to everybody for listening but most importantly again mike thank you so much for coming on it's been an absolute treat to have you on so i look forward to doing this again in the very near future
1: yeah 100 thanks so much for having me on max it has been an absolute delight chatting with you and yeah we'll definitely do it again going forward
0: we will indeed sir yes so all it means to, be to do is to say thank you for everyone for listening uh, take care of yourselves, stay safe and uh, we'll see you again down the road okay bye for now bye